We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest and then the final event the behind the bangs writing workshop i finally did it put it together put together this workshop because i wrote this book in many ways for younger me and younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught i wanted the gyms i wanted i wanted the knowledge i wanted the education that's what i would have wanted so i've decided i'm doing it and in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn 15 years in my 15 year career as a tv writer and author and blah 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 all the other things i've written there are six things that i always use and all of those are in this workshop so if you have an interest in writing sign up all the ticket links are live today click the show notes click my instagram we are coming to a city near you and there's going to be some meet and greets i'll sign some copies of books we'll give out more books and i have uh, some pieces of merch that i'm taking on the road and i'm gonna give them out at the shows Welcome to Glamorous Trash. We used to be called Celebrity Book Club, but we changed our name. On this podcast, we recap and book club celebrity memoirs. We pontificate about pop culture. And sometimes, if it's a doozy, we cry. If you have ever referenced Mariah Carey in therapy, then this is probably the podcast for you. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I'm a TV writer, comedian, and filmmaker, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. And this episode is a monster memoir episode. You guys, we are covering Lynn Spears' memoir, Mother to Britney Spears. Her memoir, I was about to call it a pile of trash, but I will call it a memoir for now. Her memoir is titled Through the Storm, a real story of fame and family in a tabloid world. And the little byline below her name is Mother of Jamie Lynn, Brian, and Britney Spears, which is fully out of order. That's her youngest child, her oldest child, then the middle child. But in the order of her love for them. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And actually, let's just bring in our guest early (laughs) before I finish this intro. We need him here. Obviously, it's a monster memoir. So our guest today is like the poster child for like Cookie Hall of Fame. He is an unscripted television producer who has worked on shows like Bravo's The Real Housewives of New York City and The Real Housewives of New Jersey, Netflix's My Unorthodox Life, and he is the host of the podcast Fixing Famous People. You know him. It is Chris DeRosa. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to have a title on this podcast. Can I say that? That is like truly something I brag about in the real world. 
You are our official monster memoir correspondent. Thank you. <laughs> and that is why this episode is dropping on Halloween. Boo. Because, <laughs> you know, we celebrate witches on Halloween and she's a bad witch. <laughs> okay, so do the intro with me. This book was written in 2007 published in 2008, which means literally seconds after imprisoning her daughter, she began typing this book. Correct. Like, as they put Brittany into an ambulance, I think she asked for a laptop tray and began chapter one on why it was not her fault. Yes. In my opinion, it's abundantly clear that she wrote down everything that happened in the, like, five days that she was at Brittany's house while she was being hauled away by the police. And then was like, okay, now I now have to turn this into a book somehow and start talking about, like, my grandparents. Someone add in something about my life. Yeah. <laughs> it is so crazy. Like, you know, Britney Spears goes into the conservatorship in 2008, and this book comes out, like, two months later. it's The timeline is disgusting. And so if you guys didn't follow me on Instagram when I originally book clubbed this in like 2020, Dark Times, trust this book is a ride. It's so fucking insane. Buckle the hell up. Chris, how was your experience of reading this book? Well, first and foremost, I usually never re- actually open the books for this podcast. I just listen to the audiobook. Yeah. Which is just, like, more my speed. Yeah. An audiobook of this book does not exist. Wait, are you serious? I'm dead serious. This book is not even in, like, the Apple Books store. What? Like, I couldn't have a digital copy of of this book if I tried. I had to buy this on, like, the black market, basically. I wish I knew if she was like, I can't bear to read this out loud. I'm a monster. I'm not doing it. Or if it was pulled. I think it was pulled because I think that, like, all the things that have happened since Britney has been freed, are, like, substantiated in this book, and they don't want us to read that she admitted to this in the book. Wow. In my opinion, allegedly. Allegedly, our favorite word this episode. Um, Lou Taylor is behind this book. Yes. Lou Taylor is the pastor-turned-manager who really guided Britney into the conservatorship and also still is still Jamie Lynn, like the daughter's manager, and helped her dog shit book to market. And so I'm sure she had the ability to pull it off because she probably brokered the deal. Like pull the audio away is what I mean. Yes. Okay, so let's begin the book. It is dedicated, says dedicated to the most precious gifts of my life, my children and my grandchildren. But then she says, I hope this book will be my legacy. I said, oh, no, it is. (laughs) What have you done? And I found that this entire book and I will I will read phrases throughout the book, but the entire theme and it's printed in different sentence structures, maybe 12 times is I am just a simple Southern gal who had no idea what was going on or what to do, and it is not my fault. Which, for the majority of the book, I agree with. No. I know that I'm blowing this up right now, but, like, there's a part of me that feels really bad for her for a lot of this book. Okay. Talk to me, because Jamie is abusive, the father. 100%. By the way, I hate these names because Jamie is the father, Lynn is the mom, and then Jamie Lynn is the daughter. Guess what? This is the South, is that you named your third daughter, who is a mistake. You're both of your names together. Yeah, yes, it's horrible. They said that they did not plan to have another child. 
You're right. That's what you meant by mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Mistake as in like, like an oops, baby. Sorry. Meanwhile, while your husband is an absolute straight up alcoholic that does not care for about his family, she does realize at least that like the last thing she should be doing is bringing another child into the world, into this fucked up family. Yes. And I, I, I will say the part of me that is really with her is that they got married young. He is highly mm-hmm. abusive. He is an mm-hmm. alcoholic. Britney Spears, when she is a teenager, will sob to her mom and beg her mom to leave him. When she's getting her own money, she buys her mom a house so that she will leave the dad. When your child is at the point where they're begging you to divorce their father, like the abuse is really intense. Yeah. And so a part of me is like, yeah, absolutely. It's so hard to leave an abusive marriage. She divorces him and brings him back for the conservatorship. The man who her daughter hates. And in this book, she'll be like, she was back in daddy's hands. And I'm like, no. So how did you feel bad for her? It, no, at the beginning, this is not okay, at the concern. Okay. At the beginning, when she's like, we didn't know how to pay our bills. Jamie was, Jamie's workers were taking his cell phone. I'm using humongous air quotes, taking his cell phone and like racking up a $1,200 bill. And Jamie was always gone on construction jobs. Like, no, your husband was on a bender, like sleeping with God knows who in like roach motels, like yes. blackout drunk. That's what your husband was doing. But then she's like, we had money issues because because his cell phone was stolen. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, no. Like, the $1,200 phone bill that you never saw was, like, his credit card debt from a bar. Like, period. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But, like, why even try it? Why even try it? Like, I am astutely poised to be upset at this woman because I can't stand helplessness as a quality. And as a virtuous quality. And she really puts helplessness on a pedestal. She writes, like, what What is in these pages then? It's really the story of one simple Southern woman whose family got caught in a tornado called fame and who is still trying to sort through the debris scattered all over her life. And then later she writes, Brittany was shaving off her beautiful hair and all I could think is how could this be? She used to be the happiest girl in the world. And I'm just like, you have eyes. <laughs> You know what you did, and you're pretending you never knew, you never had a part in this. You're pretending you never had a part in this, and it frustrates me. Well, it's very, very convenient that she glosses over all of Britney's worst times until she gets conserved. And yeah. then when Jamie Lynn gets pregnant, she writes pages and pages and pages and pages of her every thought and, like, every single step that happens, like, from her telling her mother that she's pregnant to, like, her having the baby. Like, in this book, we don't even find out why her mother and her don't speak anymore. She says, like, at this point, Brittany was not speaking to me. Like, she sidesteps the entire point of this book. And is like, that is the part that that infuriated me. But at the beginning, I did feel bad for her. Because I just feel like she was stuck in a marriage. She talks a lot about, she did the thing that you hate the most in memoirs, where they go back to, like, their grandparents' upbringing (laughs) that makes no sense and has nothing to do with anything. Like, at one point I write, why am I learning about Malta? Question mark. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She goes back to um, the Nazis in 1940. Yes. She talks about how they're bombing the United Kingdom, and you're like, what? (laughs) No, she's, like, giving World War II, like, facts and I'm like huh like it's it makes no sense and she but she does all this to illustrate that her mother left England to come to Kentwood Louisiana and like felt stuck there for the rest of her life and I feel that she kind of feels 
the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And but, but here's the thing. I think if she hadn't written this book, I'd have a lot more grace for her. Yes, 100%. To be like, you were really navigating a situation, you know. But however, she she chose to write this story to cover up what had just happened to Britney in 2007. Yes, and to clean up her image. And to clean up her image, not Britney's image. That's what kills me. Her image, her image. So my first note is introduction is already a big defense of herself. And the first words of this book are, if you're looking for parenting advice, you've opened the wrong book. I sure don't know how the rumor got started that I was writing a book of mothering advice, but let's just put that to rest right now. This is also not a guide to being the best stage mom you can be, nor is it a juicy tell-all. And then I wrote, then what is it? Then literally what? <laughs> Why am I reading this book? I, all those things are things I want to read from you. Not any of them are what you put in this book. And she should have written this book is an excuse for 200 pages. A hundred percent. It really is. One big excuse of, like, why she, her daughter, went off the fucking rails. And she was able to save one of her daughters and not save the other. Which, you know, hindsight spoiler, you weren't able to save either of them. You threw them both in the fire. Like, the fact that Jamie Lynn is writing a book to sell her sister out, like, you failed. And, like, she talks as much about Jamie Lynn in this book as she does with as Britney. And it's just not, like, I don't want to hear about Jamie Lynn doing a character on all that. On Nickelodeon. And also, how much does she talk about Brian in this book? Oh, barely. Just (laughs) just a little whim of whim of Brian. But I will say if if I open this book and she said, Britney Spears is the fucking best, this is all just like a silly mistake. Sorry, whoopsies. I would say, Okay, I get why you wrote it. But she throws Britney under the book in this book. So she throws Britney under the book in this book. Great job, Chelsea, with language. Are we okay? <laughs> Are we okay? I think this book ruined my ability to read. No, I'm like reeling from this. Yes. Yes. This book is such a fucking ride. Okay, so she describes at one point in the book how Britney was attached at the hip and would sob when her mom was out of eyesight. I know from my studies of articles of trauma, <laughs> so not real studies, but... It is somewhat common behavior for children of moms who are being abused to have this really intense connection to them because they're like, literally, like, if my life source is okay, I'm okay. If it's not, I should cry and scream. And so she's writing this and I was like, oh, this home life was really, really bad. And then every now and then she'll be talking about something like that and then she'll break into a poem. I wrote, why do all these people want to write poems? (laughs) Kathy Lee Gifford (laughs) opened every chapter of her most recent memoir with a poem by her and accredited it to her. So I was like, will I ever escape these women being like, if I was only a poet, like none of this would have happened. Yes. It's like, Like, damn y'all. Yeah. So we get some poems and then at one point she talks about Britney's real voice and how producers made Britney sing in a breathy baby voice and how she used to kind of be like a little child Aretha Franklin, which if you've seen child videos of Britney Spears at talent shows um, earning money for her dad's bar tab, you will know that is correct. Yes. When we stand together It's our finest hour We can do anything Oh, anything Keep believing So I believe this about Britney and also 
I know this is so allegedly it's not even funny, but when the free Britney movement was like happening and like the pandemic and like she was like going to court, they talked a lot about the fact that the, she had a falling out with her parents because she wanted to do an album called Broken Doll. Yeah. And it was going to be her coming back into her real voice and singing more like acoustic songs and like actually doing ballads and not being the pop star that we all want her to sing like toxic and like womanizer. Wow. And so she wanted to do that desperately and even wrote a lot of the music and like had had songs like ready to go. But then her label and her parents like were like, no, we can't do this. Like you need to be Britney Spears that we've sold you as like, you can't do ballads. Like no one wants that from you. I believe it. That was like a huge rift that made her not want to perform anymore. Cause she was like, I'm a better singer than this. And everyone makes fun of me and says that I can't sing, but I can. Wow. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. And also her mom being like, the producers made her sing like a sexy baby. And it's like, uh, this is again where I'm like, but you were standing there. And write three chapters about that. Yeah. I would love to hear every single word that you talk to them about that. Yes, exactly. But I don't think you did. I think she was like, well, it must happen. And then this is when <laughs> Chris is talking about the cell phones being stolen. And they basically grow up very poor on the poor side of working class. They file for bankruptcy. They get the power turned off on them. And and in the same page, she's like, but we were not Brit looking for our daughter to bail us out. And we weren't hoping she would make money for us. And it's like, OK, then. Then, then why would you put any time and resources into that? Because you don't have any lights on at home. <laughs> but you are putting a dress on your daughter and driving her to get famous. Okay, but here... Now, here I'm going to defend her, and you're going to be very upset. There's a part of me... There's a part of me where I'm like... I kind of think that she was like, I if I can get any of my kids out of the situation, I need to do it. Mm. Why am I so compassionate to her? I don't know. But, like, there's a part of me where she's like... I need, like, at any option. Do I think that she was, like, wringing her hands together and being like, like, my daughter is yeah, going to be famous no. and she's we're going to be superstars and, like, all of our debt is going to be gone. Like, no. I think she was like, if Britney could, like, become a singer and, like, sing in a jazz club, she could, like, make her own money and then not have to, like, be subjected to her father. Okay, that's really beautiful. There's a part and of I, me that, I like... Really, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I yes, do I, believe... I really can. I really can. Again, like, women and, in abusive relationships, yes. like, will do crazy things to get their children out of the house. That Sometimes in the idea of that it's good for them, but then it's, you know, not in the end. And I think that, like, also, like, as much as we all want to paint Jamie as this, like, mastermind, I think Jamie's a fucking idiot. Oh, and yeah. And he's... An, an idiot, drunk, like, dullard. He and I think literally that, is just a man. And so they're like, you're the captain. You're the yes. you're a CEO because you a boy. But he did nothing. Yes. Like, so I think that all these things, like, all these, like, moves that happened were definitely, like, Lou or, like, all these other people. Again, this is my opinion. But, like, all these managers and whatever Hollywood people that are doing this. And Jamie's like, okay. Like, I don't think he's, like... Like, he's a drunk that was walking out in his family every fucking five seconds, which I mean, she doesn't, like, hide from us at all in the book. No, thank God. Yes, maybe she wasn't scheming, but I do think when Britney began making money, the whole family turned and was like, you are now our resource. Which is conveniently left out of this book. Yes, absolutely. That whole part of her life is not written about at all. At all. And now we go to a part in the book where 
the famous Rolling Stone cover where Britney Spears is in her bra and pajamas. She's in her bed surrounded by stuffed animals. She's holding like a Teletubby. And David LaChapelle took the photo and it was like the fucking scandal of the early aughts of like yes. this teenage girl is naked on Rolling Stone, which I'm saying that now because LOL, look where we are today. But again, Lynn writes an entire chapter of how she had no idea David was taking those pictures. He locked himself in the room with Britney and wouldn't let her in. And she had no idea until the cover came out. I do believe that is possible. I believe that. And I'm just upset that no one was like, no, you can't kick me out of the my daughter's bedroom. Well, and she was like, oh, and even our manager, whatever the fuck his name is, is like, also had no idea that that's how, like, photo shoots worked. And I was like, that's not true at all. He did, like, at you all. believe these people, and it's so sad that you believe them. Yes. Or, again, helplessness. Helplessness is her number one trait. She thinks the best course of action is to be like, oh, I had no idea. And, like, everyone will forgive me. Also, did you remember reading the part where she, like, doesn't ever admit it specifically, but she hit a boy with her car and killed him? What? Okay, that was just a little teaser of the episode. I know you're probably so annoyed. However, what if we pivoted that thought to this? You can join our Patreon for literally a dollar a month. It's the pay what you can option. It's so easy to sign up. I know you're maybe you're driving, you're in the shower, so don't do it now. But like the moment you can, you just click the link in the show notes. It takes you to Patreon. You sign up real quick. We send you an email with the link and instructions to add it to your podcast app. It takes 30 seconds. And then all the bonus episodes just come to your phone the way the normal podcast does. It's so worth it because what? We're an independent podcast. We have no husbandgers. We have no support except for your support. So go to Patreon if you love this podcast. If you want to hear the rest of this episode, it means a lot to us.